you for your word tonight. Speak to us. Minister to us, God. Spirit of the living God. Give us wisdom and understanding, knowledge, and the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, tonight, uh, continuing with the uh, message we started. This is the fourth one. The force of righteousness. The force of righteousness. We need to understand this clearly that Jesus came primarily to deliver to us righteousness. That was the only true need of man. We know he came to die for our sins. But really, the truth is he came so that we might become righteous before God. Righteousness, and I've said it here before, once you have done something wrong, you can't undo it. It's sin. There's no way you can undo it. All you have to do to be called a liar is to tell one lie. You're a liar. That's why the Bible declared the whole world all have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't get it back. This is God's glory. It's God's righteousness. There's only one way to get it. Through Christ. And it's the righteousness of God, not your righteousness. Because your righteousness is filthy rag, according to Isaiah. Before God. All we need is God's righteousness. God's righteousness gives us uh, good standing with God. That means you can stand in the presence of God and don't feel guilty. It's really hard to be in God's presence because you know he sees everything. You can't hide anything from him. So when there is sin in your life, you just cannot stand being in his presence. He sees everything. But when you have received his righteousness, then you don't feel that sense of guilt. And the only reason for that is because of the love of Jesus. He gave us his righteousness. What we have is the righteousness of God. So one person can never be more righteous than the other person. Pastor cannot be more righteous than the usher. Everyone has the righteousness of God. That's what Jesus delivered to us. The only difference is how much use did you get out of your righteousness? Because righteousness is a force. Once you can stand in God's presence and not feel a sense of guilt, God can do anything through you. You will be the only one that's stopping him. Righteousness has a force. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, lets us know that there is a fruit of your righteousness. That's the righteousness that God gave to you. Fruits of righteousness. Righteousness has fruits. Not just your righteousness, but the righteousness you receive from God. If I give you my Bible as a gift, it becomes your Bible, right? No longer my Bible, but your Bible. When God gave you his righteousness, you've got God's righteousness. It's your righteousness. It belongs to you. It's God's kind of righteousness that you got. It's equal to God's righteousness. That's why you can stand in his presence and feel no guilt. Because what you got is God's righteousness. And if you got God's righteousness, you have the same righteousness as God. So what God can do, you can do. He does through you. Because you are in agreement. You got his rightness, his righteousness. So your righteousness has fruits. Not the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit, that's the spirit's fruit. The fruits of righteousness 
is the fruit of the righteousness that you have. You can benefit in life from your righteousness. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on tonight. Some of the benefits that we get from God's righteousness. And we need to know these things. Because the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge is knowing. Knowing intimately and understanding. Knowing and understanding so that you can gain what God has delivered to you. The Bible tells us here, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, it says, but Now may he, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower. So basically, God's calling all Christians sowers. God supplies you seed. Where God sees to supply you seed, if you want to really sow, absolutely not. God wants to keep supplying you seed. That means you can never be in lack of seed. We just have to believe it. This is God. It says, now may he, that's God, that's who he is, who gives, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So he gives you seed to sow. He also makes sure you are eating while you're sowing. So you know, it's like, I've sown everything now. I'm going to be hungry. Got nothing else left. No, God makes sure you got something to take care of you why your seed is growing to produce. Amen. Bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Notice, he's multiplying the seed you have sown, but also he increases the fruits of your righteousness. Whose righteousness? Your righteousness. Your righteousness can produce fruit. And giving is one way to increase the fruits of your righteousness. We make things too complicated. If we can just accept what God says and begin to practice, immediately you will find that. You know why people run after God and they keep pressing, those people who are pressing, they keep pressing? Because when you try, it works. And so you want to do more. Before long, you become addicted. (laughs) And you can't stop anymore. And every time you pull back, you have withdrawal symptoms. And you go back again because you miss. The, that's what this thing is. Until you try it, you never know. But because it's a thing of faith and it's nothing, there is nothing tangible that you can lay your hands on, people hesitate. And Jesus says, he who puts his hand on the plow and, he hes- and hesitates, he's not fit. For the kingdom, you won't benefit. So he just wants you to come out of the boat and take his word and just begin to walk with it. And God follows you. I mean, it doesn't matter who. Because God, we all have the same righteousness. If God's walking through one person, it's not because that person's righteousness is more than the other. They are willing to walk the word. They're willing to do what the word says. They hear I can increase my fruit of righteousness. Wow, that was a great message today. I'm going to try that. <laughs> Some people say, well, I don't know about that. I just, I just want to give. Don't worry about what comes. That's not what the Bible says. You're wrong. You are not in line with God's word. God says when you give, expect. Don't get self-righteous now. Expect. Expect it to come. That's faith. If you're not expecting it, you're not using your faith. Your faith is your, the hand with which you receive. You cut your hands off when you say, well, I'm not expecting anything. I, I'm just doing. God will let you do it. That's your business. But God wants you to expect your fruit of, the fruit of your righteousness to increase. I used to think that way. Now, oh, no, no, I don't worry about it. I just want to be righteous. No, you're already righteous. We need some fruits here, okay? We need some fruits of righteousness. That's what we need. Because the fruits of righteousness will benefit you and benefit everyone around you. And sometimes the world can benefit from that. So righteousness has fruits. Benefits you, benefits your family, and everything around you. You know, in Proverbs chapter 11, Verse 4 through 6, it says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. That's 
the day of serious trouble. <laughs> Your wealth is helpless. You can have $2 million or even be a, bil be a billionaire. If the doctors tell you you got stage 4 cancer, your money won't help you. You know that. It just does the way it is. When trouble comes, real trouble, death is knocking at the door, your money is helpless. That's what he's saying. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Amen. Can I hear an amen? This is exciting. You may not be excited, but I'm really excited about this. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. I am a righteous person in God. I can be delivered from death, even cancer. I can still live. The problem is we wait until we get there to the door of death before we try to believe. Do you know what it is if you haven't been exercising your muscles? <laughs> and you have to lift up a real heavy weight, but you know you won't be able to do it. You haven't been practicing your righteousness. Now you want to lift this 300-pound stuff. You can't do it. And that's what's happening to us. We neglect all of these things because we're not sick. I don't want to hear that. Why don't you tell me about this? Well, I already know that. Tell me about that. Until the day of trouble, the minister says, most people don't care about healing, and they don't believe in healing until they are gravely sick. Then they want to believe. And then sometimes it's really hard to really believe because just like you, I'm the same way. Unbelief, maybe it's not just you. Well, I had to fight that thing because your body is telling you, speaking to you constantly with the pain, right? And then you're trying to trust God. And then the doctor adds his own message. Uh, son or brother, you only got four weeks. I'm telling you that the whole night, all you're thinking is four weeks, right? You're not thinking by your stripes, I am healed. <laughs> and every time you think by his stripes, I am sick, healed, the next thought is you only got four weeks, the doctor said. And you have to decide. This is the whole thing. Your righteousness, God is saying your righteousness is so powerful he can deliver you from death. You know how significant this scripture is? That's why God says, with long life, I will satisfy you. Death cannot take you. I don't care what it is. If you believe this scripture, you are already righteous, and you stand by that scripture, God watches over his word. To make sure his word works. And so when you hear me saying here, I'm not bragging on myself. It's just I'm depending on God's word. If this fails, forget it. But my thinking is, if this works, I'm protected. So I tell myself, I got to live long. I got years to be here until I'm tired. Don't, can't, don't want, don't, I don't want somebody helping me to go to the bathroom. I don't want all of that. I'm, I'm going home. Then I go home. But I'm not going to be in a, a, in a car and it is, it's a, there's an accident and I'm dead. It's just it's not going to happen. It just, it just will not happen. I just don't believe in that kind of thing. And no witch, no doctor, nothing can make it happen. No drunk driver can make it happen. If they are on the way, I'm in my home. Amen. It just won't happen. Because your righteousness can deliver you from what? From death. That's the fruit you get. Because you got righteous before God. It says the righteousness of the blameless. Notice the word that is used, blameless. It's not sinless. Blameless. Blameless, why? Because you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You cannot be blamed. You are blameless before God because you are following the way of the Lord. 
That's what's being blameless. You are following the way of the Lord. And the way of the Lord, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You get the way of the Lord. You are blameless. Amen. You are blameless. You are blameless, but God's also giving you his righteousness. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright. But the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them. But the unfaithful will be cut by jealousy. In other words, your righteousness delivers. You know, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord does what? He delivers them from some of them. All of them. Do we really believe the scriptures? Why are we yelling and crying when afflictions come? <laughs> I do the same thing, so please don't think. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I'm wondering, you know, I got this problem solved. Before I had, a ch- had the chance to rejoice, three other problems come up. And then say, where did you all come from? Where were you before? But thank God I got Jesus. Amen? And I know to pray. I know to go to him. Isaiah, Isaiah is the, gos- uh, the gospel preacher of the Old Testament. Uh, he's really the gospel preacher of the Old Testament. You can read through. He tells you everything about the virgin, Jesus' birth, everything. Uh, the, the atonement, he tells you all about it. Isaiah 53. But Isaiah 54 tells us this. God making a covenant with you. That's what you have to understand. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, please get this. It's so important. How many of you called God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How many have done that? Do you know that you can call God the God of Pastor Andy? And you'll answer? There are people doing it around the world. They pray and they call on the God of their pastor. And guess what? God answers the prayer. Because just as God had this covenant cut with Abraham, Pastor Andy has a better covenant cut with God. Just like that. He's the Abraham of our day, not just him. That's you as well. God is calling, what are you called? Christian? He's Christ. You're part of him. He is your God. He's your head and you are his body. I won't walk up to say, well, that's the brother's head. I don't know what's happening to his body. The one. That's how deep our relationship with God is today. We call Abraham the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yeah, that's what his name is. But he's really your God as well. And I've read testimonies of people who prayed in the name of the God of the man that they believed was the man of God. And their prayer, they got their miracle. Because God is so intimate with every one of us. The covenant that we have with him is so great. Remember what Jesus said. John the Baptist was the greatest of the Old Testament. But the least in our time, Jesus said, is greater than John the Baptist. Well, if John the Baptist is greater than the rest of them, and the least, what does that make us? I don't think we fully understand what God's done for us. I don't think we really get, we've really gotten it yet. If we do, our attitude would be so different. We will not entertain fear, not a second. Not one second. Because Jesus told, told us, look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father takes care of them. Not a single one falls to the ground without his seeing eyes. And he says, you are more valuable than those. 
to him. He feeds them constantly. I wish we can fully understand God's love for us. Those are the things that in your time of, your time of meditation, they bring tears to your, your eyes, knowing how much God loves you. But many times Satan wants to focus on what you're not doing and, and how bad we've been and the mistakes we've made, the wrong words we spoke, the anger and all of those. God says in this scripture, he's not angry with you. Can never be angry with you. When God says something, he can't beat the other thing. What God says stands because that's who he is in relation to you, especially after you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, no matter what you do, doesn't get him to be angry with you. And what tells me that, and believe me, this was not my belief. I never believed this way. I used to think everything I did, God, was, oh, I couldn't do that. Now he's gone from me. He says, I'll never leave you. I think where the anointing is gone from me, I realize it's never, it's never gone from me. What is really happening when that happens is you, the accuser of the brethren comes in. And now he breaches your righteousness and you can't really function anymore. Not because God left. But then when you listen to the words of Jesus, he says, if a man has a hundred sheep, he leaves the ninety-nine, he goes after that one. And the greatest word in that, he says when he's found that sheep, he puts the sheep over his shoulders. And he comes back rejoicing. Amen. Over this strange sheep. And he gets to his, gets, he says, rejoice with me. The sheep that was lost. In other words, if you're not happy, get happy now. The sheep that was lost, I found it. He's not talking about how the sheep got, you know, to go astray. All his concern, I found him and brought him back. He's never angry with you. Never. If you believe that, you begin to do things because you think God doesn't care. You are that special to him. In fact, he said he had engraving you on the palm of his hand, so he never forget you. Never. That's how precious you are. And you got to treat yourself that way. You know, God gave me a picture some years back. Uh, you know, I used it in preaching. You, these things just come to you. Uh, you just, they just flow into your head. But you think about a, a man who is the, uh, living in the streets, whose father had died many years, and a millionaire, multi-millionaire, but things had happened. They know his father had a will for him and anything, so he had nothing. Now he's living in the streets. But all of a sudden, he sees a, a, a nice Mercedes-Benz and, and, and uh, somebody coming out of the Mercedes-Benz with suit tie and everything and all the street people looking at what's going on. And this guy says, I'm looking for Johnny. And Johnny says, oh, what's, what did I do wrong now? I'm in real trouble. What's going on? And the, the lawyer comes, now this guy's a lawyer. He says, I've been looking for you all over. Where have you been? And he's looking like, huh, why? <laughs> Am I in trouble? It's your father left a will for you. You are a millionaire. I got it in my office. We need to start working on this. In his mind, he's saying, you better not lie to me, okay? <laughs> you better not lie to me. He says, I'm telling you, come on. I got it in my office. We got to work this out. Come out of this place. You can even build your house tomorrow. As soon as he's heard that, if he believes, guess what he does? He squares his shoulders. He goes to his friends. I'm coming back. I'm going to build a place for you guys, and I'm going to bring you. Now his, his clothes are still dirty, but he's walking differently now. Oh, yeah. It's still not too sure, okay? But by the time he gets to the office and he's seen the document, lawyer is everybody in the office, yes, sir, yes, sir. Welcome, sir. Can I bring you some, 
something to drink, all this, he begins to think, hey, this thing is really real. I'm somebody. Watch out if he comes to you next week. He's not thinking that way anymore. He's a big guy, big shot. Because he knows. I think the major problem with us, we just don't know what God's left us. So we behave as if we're nothing. And Satan can just harass us, make us sick, weak, poor. And all we're doing is begging, please God. And God said, I've done everything for you. What's the matter with you? What do you want? Read the will. Read the will, okay? Read the will. Find out what belongs to you, right? And once you discover what's in the will, square your shoulders. Take on the devil now. Amen? Amen. You guys got it tonight. This is wonderful. (laughs) But that's what it is. Every one of you sitting right here can heal the sick. If you believe in Christ, why don't you just try it? That's part of the will, right? It's part of the will. We're constantly thinking, well, he's anointed. Who told you you're not anointed? You're anointed. Jesus said you can do it. Can he lie? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he should do also. Why? Because when you believe in him, you get righteous. Amen? And you can do what righteous people do like Jesus did because Jesus was righteous before God. Now you're righteous. You got his righteousness. Amen? The same righteousness that Jesus had and operated out of. The fruit of righteousness, the force of righteousness. The enemy couldn't stand that. You have the same, exactly the same covenant just like Abraham had. That's why Abraham was before the law. He was made righteous by God by believing, just by faith. Romans chapter 4 tells us that. He got righteous just by believing, just like us. And so, for the same reason, God is your God. God can be called your God. I can talk to God, and I can say, God of Angela, my wife, please help me. And God says, that's true. I am Angela's God. Amen. He will answer. That's the truth. He is your God. Not just the God of Abraham. He's my God. He made myself my God. He called himself the God of Abraham. Today, he is my God. I got the righteousness of Christ. Jesus delivered that to me. A serious price was paid on the cross for me to receive this. And I receive it with gladness. And I'm going to show it off. Amen. I'm going to show it off. There's fruit of righteousness. It says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you have received Christ, you are in Christ. The reason why you are not progressing in your walk of faith is because you don't realize you are in Christ. Jesus said, in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. And this is the time to know that. Jesus was speaking about this day. And if Jesus is in the Father, and I am in him, and he is in me, when you see me, you see Jesus. Most, like, most, most of the time, we're thinking in the flesh. And so you're looking at how the person looks. That's why Paul said, we don't know him anymore in the flesh. Read in, 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 in John. When they saw Jesus, and Jesus, the, the disciples, Peter and the others, were in the boat, and Jesus was at the shore with fire there and some bread, they said, that's the Lord. And when they came close, he says, no one dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Why were they saying that? They were standing right there in front of him. But you couldn't recognize him as a person like he was before anymore. They just got to go by faith. 
that was John sitting right there. And they were looking at him. He was talking to them. He read it. They were asking questions. They said, nobody asked him, who are you? He was giving them bread to eat. And they were thinking, well, somebody should ask him. But they said, because they just knew that was the Lord. So Paul says, we don't know him in the flesh anymore. So you're thinking in the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. That's what Jesus said. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and the life. And life. The flesh profits nothing. You got to believe it and accept it. It said in the scriptures here, for this is like the waters of Noah to me. That's to God. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah will no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you. Can you see God swearing that he will not be angry with you and God turns around and he's angry with you again? Can that ever happen? God's not angry with you. That's what I'm saying. These are not my words. God said it right here. He won't be angry with you. He says he won't rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. Why? Because you are the righteous in Christ. Once you are righteous in Christ, God constantly will be kind to you. That will never go away. It's possible for the mountains to depart. It's possible, God is saying, for the hills to just disappear. But for his kindness to depart from you, that's impossible. That's what God's saying. It's impossible. God will always be kind to you and yours. Everything that belongs to you. Because you are his and everything that you own belongs to him. You know, the Bible even says that a, a woman who is married or a, a believer who is married to an unbeliever, just because this one is, one of them is a believer, the extent of this God's grace and kindness is an amazing thing. For me, it's really amazing. I don't think we fully understand this. He says, because of that, because if there's one of them in a marriage situation, if they, one of the couple is a believer, and the other one is not. It's not. The children to God are his. He says they are holy. That's an amazing thing. Just because one of them is a believer, God considers all their children holy. What if you got two believers? Think about it. Just think about it. What if you got two believers? That's why I just, I'm so relaxed when it comes to my children. Because he's going to take care of what come into that. It's all by faith. You see the world, get some understanding. Don't go by what everybody's saying. Read the scriptures, pull it out, because we're not running a group race. It's an individual race. Amen. But we learn from each other. My wife teaches me a lot of lessons. <laughs> it's, it's really wonderful. It says his kindness will never depart from you. So always in everything that's happening, even if you don't understand it, God's kindness is in it. You got to believe it. It doesn't make sense. It seems like you're sinking. God, you, God cannot be in your boat and the boat will sink. It's never going to happen. Usually when it's your boat, he's at peace and resting. And that boat is never going to sink. I don't care what's happening outside there. His kindness will never depart from you, ever. That's impossible. And if you believe it, the peace of God will rest upon you. Because that's the only way to go, by faith. That's what pleases God. Faith. 
Just trust in what he says to you. As simple as that, just accepting it. This is my portion in life because God said so. When you do that, you put a smile in his face and several angels are sent to make sure in that area of your life, nobody touches you. Amen. Because everything we receive has got to be by faith. God says, I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. The mountains will depart, the hills will be removed, but my kindness will not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who, who had mercy on you. You know, that mercy is where he received you and gave you righteousness. That's his mercy. In spite of what you deserve. It gave you what you don't deserve. His righteousness. God's own righteousness. As God is declaring, I am the one saying this to you. I have a covenant with you. Just as he had with Abraham. And look at the power of that covenant. It's based on righteousness. Amen? Because Abraham became righteous before God. Look at the power of that righteousness. How it affected Isaac. How it affected Jacob. How it affected Judah, David, every one of these individuals, Joseph. When you read those stories, those things blow your mind. What God was doing with these individuals. Daniel, just because Abraham believed in God, all the way down, is righteousness by faith. So God says, my covenant of peace that word peace there is shalom. That means is prosperity upon your life. Shalom is not just money. Every area of your life. That's what God wants to do. He says it will not depart from you, will not be removed. He says, oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Let me tell you tonight, if you feel like you are being touched, tonight is the end of that thing in Jesus' name. If you feel you need comfort and you haven't had been comforted, God's going to bring his comfort to you tonight as you receive his word. God will comfort you. If you are afflicted, God's going to bring his comfort to you. Then God goes into this thing. He says, Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphire. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystals, or crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. Let me tell you what's going on here. What God is speaking, if you read this, you can go to Revelation chapter 21. He's describing the tabernacle of God in heaven. So, what he's doing with you, he's building you as a person, as it's his temple. That's what he's saying. He's going to lay a foundation for your life that's so colorful. Amen? You have more than the coat Joseph had of many colors. Amen? That's what God said. He's going to lay your foundation just like in heaven. Because we are the temple of the living God, right? So God's going to build you a temple. That's what he's saying here. I'm going to lay your foundation. Your life, I'm going to lay the foundation of your life on a rock. And it's going to be so colorful. A gem. You know, he's talking about the pinnacle. He's talking about the gate. You are the temple of God. And remember what I said. My house shall be called the house of prayer. If you want to get that house going up real quick, that beautiful, spend time praying. Amen. My house. That's what God's building here. He said, I have mercy on you. I have a covenant with you. Now I'm building a house. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. But right here, you are his temple. And he's building you a temple here or not. Your life as a temple to himself. That's why I believe God wants you to have everything and not be in want. Amen? 
God wants you to have everything. And when you read his, this scripture here, verse 13, and all your children shall be taught of, God, of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. This is the scripture that's given me so much comfort. Because I've, I've always wondered, you know, when our kids were coming up, growing up, you know, people talk about uh, when they get to be teenagers. You heard about that? And um, I was thinking, oh, Lord, now, God, <laughs> how are we going to handle these teenage years? I don't think uh, Angela and I, we've really had trouble with teenage, you know, that, I don't know what that means, really. We've had just very few problems with, with our kids. It's just because of the Lord, and I cannot take credit for it. I really know. We haven't, if you want to, you know, really put it together, doing a good job as parents, I don't know if we have. We, we do what we can. But believe me, God says he will teach your children. Can you see that? Because you're righteous. God will teach them. I believe this with all of my heart. God will teach them. I do what I can, but I'm not in them. I don't know what's going on there. I got to trust him. It says, all your children, can you believe this? If you're righteous before God, God's saying, God himself will be your children's teacher. All, not some of them, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. God's going to teach them. And it says, great shall be the peace, the prosperity of your children. I pray the same for all of our children in the Ark Fellowship here. This is a promise from God for the righteous. This is a force for us. And if we believe it as a body, believe me, God will start doing some unspeakable things here. That's why I'm preaching this. Because I want us to believe this. God will teach the kids. They will be smart. No question about it. They just will. Not because daddy is smart and mom is. No. God will be their teacher. He will help them. I remember in college one time, one of my uh, friends, you know, they used to ask me for, for prayer for their exams because I prayed a lot for my schoolwork. And, you know, I was taking this class, and I was having trouble. And uh, he was Muslim then, uh, named Tunde. Uh, and he said, uh, are you, how are you going to do with this test tomorrow? Because he knew I was having trouble with this particular uh, section of this course that I was taking. For some reason, I couldn't get it. And so his chemistry, all of those things, I'll teach all of them. Then I knew that thing very well. But this subject was a real problem for me. Not the subject, just this one section. So this night I had people come in to, to, to friends from, from my friends in school who seemed to understand. They come in and they show me. I still couldn't get it. And so my roommate came in and he was teasing me because the previous exam I had done poorly in that area. And uh, he knew the teacher had said this particular exam is going to be primarily that area, which means I was really in trouble. I was desperate. So I, I cried out to the Lord, and I went in there. I mean, I had, this is not bragging, but I had the highest grades in the class for that exam. It just, I, 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 just, I saw the answer by just looking at it. God can actually help you. That doesn't mean you don't study, but God can help you. Because somebody said, well, that's wonderful, Pastor. I'm not going to ever study. <laughs> You'll be showing Pastor your Fs after <laughs> I treat everything that I need to do, and then I turn it over. Amen? But God will teach your children. God will teach your children. Um, it says, you will not be oppressed. Why? Because you will not fear. Fear is usually the first thing that the enemy uses to attack a Christian. It's just will not fear. 
God will remove the fear and he'll take the source of the fear off from you so you are not terrified by it. The last part, verse 17, I'm going to close with this because of time. God says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You got, I think if you memorize that scripture and say it all the time. Now, there are different kinds of weapons. There are weapons for financial weapons to destroy you, <laughs> emotional problems. All of these things are weapons from the enemy. If you read the scripture before that, God said they shall surely gather, but I didn't send them. You need to understand that sometimes the demonic forces around, they have meetings. They have meetings. And you are on the agenda for what they want to do to your faith. Especially when you make up your mind, I want to start serving God now. You are on the agenda. What are we going to do to destroy this? But God said, I didn't send them. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You don't need to even know how, you don't have to pay any attention to it. Because you will not be terrified. It will not come near you. You are a child of God. Your righteousness protects you. There is a fence around you. When you are righteous before God, just like Job, it's never going to be removed because Jesus died to make that, to put that around you. It will never be removed. It's going to always be there. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen? You know, two kinds of shadows. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores, he renews the soul. He sold us the seat of your will, your emotions, your mind. He renews that daily so that you are sharp. He restores your soul. He leads you in the paths of righteousness. Why? He needs you there. You need that path of righteousness. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides in the shadow of what? The Almighty. He got two shadows here. The reason why you can go through the shadow of death and have feel no problem because you are under the shadow of the Almighty. Nobody's going to touch you. That's why you're coming on the other side. We have that shadow given to us. Amen? That's where you are abiding right now. The secret place of the Most High. The secret place of the Most High. Your Father dwells in secret. Go to that secret place and dwell there. You will be under that shadow. I keep talking about prayer. It's very important. Your Father dwells in the secret. He sees in secret. He hears in secret. There is a secret place of the Most High. If you dwell there, you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then you can go through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because you will arrive on the other side and there is a table that has been prepared by the Lord himself before you in the presence of the enemies. All they can do is watch you, watch you enjoy your life. Enjoy your righteousness. Stand up with me tonight. You sit there and enjoy your righteousness, and all they can do is look. They can't come near you. They can't touch you. You can't be in fear because the Lord is with you, and you are under the shadow of the Almighty. You are that. Don't accept anything less than all the good stuff that God came to, to give to us. Tonight, you need to stretch your faith out. Amen? If there's something in your life that you want changed because it doesn't line up with goodness and mercy, okay, and kindness from the Lord, 
How many believe God can change that? Yeah. Just be patient. Just be patient. Rejoice. Just like Hannah. After we pray tonight, don't wear those long faces anymore. Amen? Uh -huh. Rejoice. Because you are believing in God. And once you do that, what's going to happen is the forces of heaven, angels are sent out to begin to do the work to bring you to your destiny. Amen? That's why God is so good. Lift your hands up to the Lord tonight and just thank him for your righteousness. How many thank him for your righteousness? Say, God, dare to say it. God, say it with me. Dare to say it in a minute. God, I am righteous. Oh, God. You really believe that? Let's say it again. God, I am righteous. Say it with me. I have the righteousness of God in Christ. I am righteous. No devil can challenge that. Amen? No devil can challenge that. Because you made a decision to receive Christ into your life. That decision is the greatest honor that a man can give to God when you receive his son as your Lord and Savior. God will die first, that's if that's possible, than to go away from that honor that he wants to put in your life. Remember what they did with Mordecai. You know, this is him. This is what is done to the man whom the king desires to honor. That's you tonight. Amen. Can we give him a clap offering? That's you tonight. That's you tonight. We're not just speaking words. These are true words. This is the truth. This is the truth. And I'm believing God for every family in the family. In this uh, Ark Fellowship, I pray for the, every family in the Ark Fellowship. I'm seeing beautiful days ahead for our families and our children. I'm believing God's going to bring senators, doctors, CEOs, and I'll be calling them. I'm your daddy. Bring the tights here. No kidding. <laughs> Let's pray to the Lord. Father, thank you. It's so good to have your goodness upon our lives. Bless your people with great joy from heaven. Bless them with the joy of Jesus that you give to us. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.